The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Uh, we'll get back to um, Area 51 UFOs coming up uh, a little bit later on in the show. One of the websites that I was trying to remember and I couldn't remember, uh, one of the ones that I worked with when I had done that series years back. Uh, if you go to uforum.blogspot.com or just Google ufology research um there's some really interesting stories on there and it goes month by month about uh, some of the different sightings across the country and around the world anyway we're going to change gears here dramatically um there's an interesting story out of bc today where the utilities commission is holding hearings into factors that could be behind bc's soaring gas prices now bc premier john horgan called the public inquiry in may and joining us this afternoon is global bc uh, political correspondent Keith Baldry. Hey, Keith. Hey there. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. What's the price of gas out in uh, in uh, in BC these days? Well, in Metro Vancouver, I think it's now down to a buck fifty, fifty-five. It had been the reason the inquiry was yeah. called. It spiked at about one seventy-nine, and it costs more in Metro Vancouver than anywhere else because, among other things, they pay higher taxes there. There's a big transit levy that's leveled on every liter of gas there that is not equaled in other places in BC. But it really was getting out of hand, which prompted this inquiry. Now, a lot of critics say this is basically a toothless inquiry, a fruitless exercise. We're not really going to find out a lot of stuff that you wouldn't really know to begin with. And in terms of having an impact on the price of gas, I don't think anybody's expecting the price of gas to plummet because of this inquiry's findings. And now, Keith, do you think uh, that the Premier was just under pressure to do something and that's something is this? Just had to do something? Yeah? Exactly. He had to be seen as taking some sort of action. He's, you know, it doesn't it serves his purpose to attack the gas companies. Everybody's cranky at the pump. Uh, There's a lot of anger out there and I think he thought that he wanted it redirected at the gas gas companies rather than at his government because increasingly people are becoming aware of how much taxes actually uh, constitute the liter of gas. So Metro Vancouver, for every liter of gas, it's about 35 cents of taxation. The bulk of that comes from provincial authorization. Of course, there's GST, but there's provincial sales tax. There's a local, uh, there's a a, a sort of a a gas tax that's on there. And then there's a big transit tax as well. So it adds up significantly. And I think he was feeling the, the anger out there there's people who are associating taxes from his government with the price of gas and uh, i think he's trying to basically change the channel well and, and for a while there there was uh association being made between uh tmx and the price of gas as well did that get debunked today well it's interesting so the, the utilities commission is ostensibly an independent uh, public uh, body however in the terms of reference given it by this ndp government it was explicitly told not to consider two things. One was provincial, ta- the, the whole notion of taxes, that was off, that's off the table, and government policy in general, uh, which a lot of people interpret that could be applied to the position on pipelines. Having said that, I noticed the gas companies and oil companies have been given a detailed questionnaire by the Utilities Commission to fill out before the hearings began today. 29 questions. And there were, a lot of them came pretty close to touching on the Trans Mountain Pipeline because it, it asks the gas companies, how do you transport your crude oil through BC. Mm. And that, of course, is directly touching on potentially on the need for uh, what, what, what would happen as a result of a second pipeline on the TMX route because there could theoretically be more 
uh, capacity for refined product coming from Alberta. So they don't mention Trans Mountain in the questionnaires, but the gas companies did fill out those que- those questions, and uh, they do explain that by and large, most of the oil that's shipped through BC comes via train, mm. and that of course is more dangerous than pipelines. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting if the Utilities Commission concludes that that's a concern that there's so much oil out there being shipped by rail that that's a if they flag that as a concern, that's going to put more pressure on this government, perhaps to reconsider its position on the pipeline. So before we get to that final report, uh, which is supposed to be done and I think wrapped up by the end of uh, August, yeah, so today, first day, who was testifying? Some of the big oil companies, right? Well, they so far, they have yet to take the stand, oh. but they, they have submitted a list of witnesses representing, uh, so Shell's there, Suncor, Husky Oil, Imperial Oil, uh, all the biggies are there. They say they've got uh, providing witnesses. Um, interestingly, though, I looked at the questionnaires, 29 questions, detailed responses to a lot of things, particularly on, on their view, what, why is the price of gas what it is? And they point to things like the increase in the minimum wage, huge real estate prices in Metro Vancouver, which stations have to pay, um, uh, a new employer's health tax, maintenance, inflation, all of these things. When they're asked specifically, though, how does your, your retail margin, your profit margin, yeah. compare to other companies and to other jurisdictions? Every single company has said, I'm not going there. We're not answering that question. Well, and interesting, because I was reading a news uh, article today, and I'll just uh, quote part of it. It says, Mark Lee, a senior economist at Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, uh, went on to say that the industry is really opaque. Apart from price data, we don't know uh, where gas is coming from and where it's exactly going to. And he says it wouldn't surprise me if there's some degree of collusion with actors in a way that increase their profits. And Keith, I know that you know, and you've probably heard it as well, that most of us believe that there is some sort of collusion going on between the companies. I, I think I think most people do believe that. Interestingly, though, you, you go and read these, these detailed responses from the companies. They're asked, where do you get your gas? How do you move it around? How does it get from A to B? Mm. What are the cost drivers? They do answer those questions. I'll have to give them credit, mm-hmm. and they don't all answer it the same way. Interesting. Uh, so they certainly have a different version of events, but they all agree on one thing. We're not telling you how our profit margin <laughs> compares with anybody else yeah. and that that is going to be a commercial secret and that's where basically uh, I don't think the commission is going to get any further than what they've got with these questionnaires even if we put witnesses on the stand. Gosh it sure would be nice to know just a little bit more though wouldn't it just like a, a little bit of a better insight into how the industry works. It would because their answers here are not backed up by any hard data I mean there's no they don't prove their case they just make a statement saying well it cost, the minimum wage went up therefore your price of gas goes up. Well, that doesn't necessarily work in every single product out there when, uh, when minimum wage changes or, so, or such. So they, they've made their arguments. They haven't made their case. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting whether they go, they take the stand and get into a back and forth with the Commission Council and, and get, provide a little more info on how that price of gas is what it is because it remains a mystery to the motorists in, in Metro Vancouver, particularly in the summer when all the companies agree the price of gas goes up because the demand goes up. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've been reading to the NEB, the National Energy Board uh, expecting to appear as well? Yes, the National Energy Board is a potential witness as well, but they only got four days for this thing. Okay. And they spent today, basically, we haven't even got to the yeah. oil companies. There's still uh, oil companies have been asking questions of a company that was commissioned by the uh, commissioned by the commission to uh, come up with a study before we got to these hearings, and they've concluded a bunch of cost drivers that are out there that I think the gas companies agree with, but um, we haven't got to the point of them giving testimony right now 
they're asking questions of the uh, of the commission rather than the commission asking questions of the company. So, and again, this final report uh, by the panel due August 30th, um, and I, I suspect that there's a lot of questions about what may happen with that report as well. Okay, you know what? We paid a little bit of attention to your concerns. Uh, here's the report. You can read it, but what's going to come out of it? I think it'll gather dust because uh, <laughs> basically the, the, I don't see how the government can regulate gas. The Atlantic provinces do have a regulatory framework. I don't think it's applicable to Metro Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the provincial governments, both the previous Liberal one and the NDP one, have made a commitment to using gasoline taxation mm. as a way of funding transit. Mm-hmm. And th- that shows no chance of going away. So mm-hmm. given that, and given the other factors cited by the gas companies, I just can't see the government moving in and saying we're going to regulate the price of gas no matter what this commission finds. Well, Keith, just switching gears just briefly, um, what's what's the talk out there right now on, on TMX? Well, it's continuing to wait and see. I think there's a... People now realize, I think, in British Columbia, despite all the media attention given to one side, which is the no side, uh, poll after poll after poll, and you can take polls for whatever grain of salt you want with it, but it's a consistent finding that it's about 60% support for the pipeline project to go ahead. And so it's interesting. I think it's the summer. Things have gone a little quiet. Once construction begins on that pipeline uh, near in North Burnaby and Kamloops and outside of Edmonton, I think you're going to see some more protests heat up and that'll yeah. be the proverbial long, hot summer. Interesting also, Premier John Horgan, who really doesn't like to talk about this issue, whenever he is asked about this, he minimizes what they're doing to stop the pipeline, simply a court case, and he sort of now emphasizes on ensuring he gets what he wants from the Trudeau government or whatever government's in mm-hmm. Ottawa when it comes to spill uh, okay. response and shore protection. And that, to me, is sort of a subtle indication that he's accepted that this he's thing is going to happen one way or another. And if it is going to happen, you might as well get what you can from Ottawa in terms of resources in case a worst-case scenario unfolds. When is the next provincial government, uh, provincial election in B.C.? Well, it could be any time because we're in a minority, minority government. Minority, yeah. On paper, though, it's October 2021, and I have a feeling they're going to go the full distance. Mm. I don't think there's going to be one uh, before then unless there's, you know, a, a bad accident involving a bunch of MLAs yeah. uh, who lose their, you know, are unable to take their seats. But other than that, the Green Party, it's a bit of a, a, a sort of a... A masquerade going on. People think the Green Party is going to take down the NDP any moment. That's not going to happen. The Greens love the fact that they've got seats in the House. There's no guarantee they're coming back in the next provincial election. This may be as good as it gets for them. So it's in their interest to keep this thing going. And look what's happening on the federal level with the Greens, right? Like it's uh, the the, the numbers there have been fascinating to watch. Yes, I think they're increasingly a a none of the above party. Um, Park your vote there. We saw that in the last BC provincial election where the Greens suddenly spiked to 17%. I think that number will go down next time, but I think it's a reflection of where people were unhappy with the with the current government, but they weren't prepared necessarily to support the other establishment party, in this case the NDP. So they went green. And federally, I think you're seeing the NDP starting to implode, and their numbers are going down, yeah. and the Greens are benefiting from that fracture on the sort of left progressive mm-hmm. side taking some votes from the Liberals, but taking most of their votes, I think, from the NDP and, and making it less competitive for them. I don't think they're going to replace the NDP as, uh, as you know, the third, uh, the third party. party, but uh, I think they're going to make life miserable for a number of them. And Keith Baldry joining us this afternoon. Keith, looking forward to visiting beautiful Victoria in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Drop by the ledge. Okay, well, take care. Okay. A buck fifty-five, eh, for gas out in uh, Vancouver. What are we paying here? I know it, it popped up... Uh, yeah, last week, 
Oh my gosh, buck fifty-five, but a buck seventy, buck seventy-nine. It topped out uh, out there, but again, you know, this uh, this forum, this uh, this panel that they're doing out there to investigate the costs and that sort of thing. Uh, as Keith said, suspect it's just. Uh, yeah, I was getting uh, I was getting uh, some blowback from people. So this is what we'll do. We'll put a little uh, report together, and it'll get filed on a on a shelf and collect dust uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, wanted to get back to this because Dave called back in, and he wanted to talk uh, a little bit more again about Area Fifty One. We'd been talking with Nick Pope, um, who ran the British government's UFO project, uh, pretty much an, an expert on on UFOs and conspiracy theories, all that sort of stuff. Fascinating fellow um this this talk on on facebook um about uh gathering folks at uh, area 51 and storming it uh, to find out what's going on in there they want to see the aliens and and the guy behind it admitted it was just a joke it was just a joke he wanted to get some you know likes on facebook but it's grown and now there's something like 1.52 million people who have signed up saying that they'd like to attend and as nick says you know there's the possibility that you know some people are going to show up and especially if the media is showing up as we mentioned the u.s air force warning people against storming Area 51 in Nevada after all of this. Take a listen. Conspiracy theorists believe that the U.S. government has kept UFOs and extraterrestrial life at the location, which is actually the Nevada Test and Training Range used by the U.S. Air Force. Over 1.5 million people have said they are attending the Facebook event called Storm Area 51 They Can't Stop All of Us, which is scheduled for September 20th. An Air Force spokesperson told ABC News that any attempt to illegally access military installations or military training areas is dangerous. Elizabeth McLaughlin, ABC News, the Pentagon. Having been to a couple of uh, American military sites, specifically the 29 Palms Marine Base outside of Palm Desert, I think uh, the last thing anyone would want to do would be to storm something like that. Uh, Dave's on the phone. Hey, Dave. How are you, Jamie? Good. Well, thanks for calling back in. You'd said you'd been to the area in years past. Yes, five years ago, my wife and I took a little drive out there from Edmonton. Uh, that's okay. and, a little drive, yeah, yes. A little drive. I was a ex X-Files big fan and retired policeman, so I'm one of those trained observers they mm. talk about. And when I went out there, uh, we went right through, right up to the line that you're not supposed to cross. And I was looking for the sign that said, you know, lethal force is authorized. But at that time, that sign had been taken down and it was just a bunch of other warnings. But mm. what was really interesting was when you see the pictures of the area and up in the hill, the white SUV parked there, as you pull up to the gate, there's the white SUV parked there. And all the photos you see about that area are there. And I'm thinking perhaps that's what encourages people to believe more than what they are because if you go there and you see those photos and the SUVs are there and the people in camel are there but they're all up just doing security yeah they, they uh, patrol area 51 right oh definitely so 
And we decided, well, we won't cross the line, but we'll do a little trip through the desert in our Jeep. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is, as we're going cross-roading, the more and more helicopters I saw. Hmm. And, you know, I took that as a hint and got back on the road. But it's a really great place to visit. I don't know if you're aware of the black mailbox. No, I'm not. Okay, well, this was a black mailbox that was near Area 51, and everyone believed that it was mail destined for Area 51, and they kept going into this poor guy's mailbox. <laughs> okay. So we finally put up a great big white armored mailbox with locks and chains, and people were shooting at it. They couldn't get in, and when we, when we drove by it, it was there. And I took the obligatory picture, but while I'm taking my picture, there's three people on their backs, on the ground, taking hundreds of pictures of the bottom of this mailbox. Okay. So they were they were really into it, but it's just neat. There's the extraterrestrial highway. Yeah. And we're geocaching, so we geocache there. But it's just a really interesting place to go and see for yourself the things that you see pictures of on the internet you know what dave i just uh, having this conversation i've just been googling i just googled the black mailbox I, I googled the the white trucks thank you for opening my eyes on this i've got some more reading to do when i get home tonight well uh, i just wanted to give you the tourist perspective it's a great trip the people are wonderful and we really enjoyed it awesome dave thank you for sharing your experience i appreciate it I did take one rock from the other side of the line, though. So. <laughs> you didn't get busted, though. No, but the rock floats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have a Thank great you. one, Dave. Take it easy now. Um, just a final note on this one. Uh, newspapers noting that uh, Nevada's alien-themed Little Alien Inn Hotel has been booked solid on September 20th, and that's the day that this is all supposed to go down, apparently with many guests referencing the Facebook event while making reservations. Um, so we'll see what happens on September 21st or 20th.